Do you have an only if faith or an even if faith? Do you have an only if faith or an even if faith? That's the question I want to start out with you today. My name is Carter McKinnis. I'm lead pastor here at Mountaintop, and I'm so honored to be joining you in your rooms. If you've got that candle that we've been talking about, I want to invite you to just light that candle right where you're at, okay? And so let me explain this idea of like having an only if faith or an even if faith. So even this little flame, even, even little bitty flames, and you can see my flame is, is so, so tiny. Even that my little flame, but we know that it puts out some heat. You don't stick your finger in the flame, and even if you put your hand over top of it, you can leave it there for a few seconds, and then it starts getting pretty hot, right? I wouldn't suggest that. Don't try this at home, as we like to say. And so we try to live life out here. We don't want to go over the flame. They're out here. It's safe. There's no pain. We won't get burned. And in life, a lot of us just want to live life around here. And in fact, that we just kind of assume sometimes we believe. In fact, in our faith in God, let me ask you this. In your relationship with God, do you stick with God only if he keeps you out here? Do you stick with God only if things go your way, only if it doesn't hurt, only if he answers the prayers the way you think they should be answered? Do you stick with God only if he heals your grandma, only if you get the job, only if he restores your marriage, only if he brings reconciliation to that relationship, only if he turns around your finances, only if he saves your small business from this lockdown, only if he protects your family from COVID-19, only if your candidate wins. Do you have an even if or an only if kind of faith? You know, that doesn't sound too much like a God. That sounds more like a good luck charm. I mean, you know the difference, right? Sports fans are kind of notorious for good luck charms. They have lucky shirts, lucky hats, all kinds of lucky things. And, and, and I had a lucky hat. In fact, I want to show it to you today. I, I brought it to show you. It's not just a lucky hat. It's not just any hat. I want to tell you just, if, if we can, just, we're going to zoom in, hopefully, so you can see this. This is what me and my friends call the streak breaker hat, Okay. So let me explain how the streak breaker hat. So some of you know, if you don't know, let me tell you a little bit. I went to the University of Georgia, so we're big Georgia Bulldog fans. And I have had this hat since I was probably 10 years old. And so it's, it's delicate. <laughs> so it's a long time ago. So I would only wear this hat if a team had a winning streak against us. That means they had to have two wins against us. And I would wear it to the next game, and we would always win. This hat can break any streak. It was a good luck charm. It was very special. Many teams fell to the dogs because of the streak breaker hat. All right. But then something happened in 2016. I wore the streak breaker hat to the Florida game because Florida had beaten us two years in a row in 14 and 15. And I knew they were going down because of this. And we lost. But you know, I figured it was a glitch. We, the whole streak happened in the middle of a coaching transition. So something, something must have been wrong. So, in fact, in 2017, I wore it 
again to the Georgia-Florida game, and this time we won. It broke a three-game streak. So I just knew, listen, the streak breaker had a, had a, had a record of like 12-1 and one or something like that. It was crazy. It, that one was a glitch. And then came the national championship in 2018 after the 17 season versus Alabama. And Alabama so here, had beaten us in 08, 12, and 15 but I had not worn it in 15 because it was a monsoon. And like I said, it's delicate. So I wore the streak breaker. Here's a picture of me and my son Morgan outside the Mercedes-Benz right before the national championship game. We were there, and I wore the streak breaker hat, and I knew the dogs were coming home with victory that night. And things were looking great until Tua Tugavaloa came in and saved the day. And all of a sudden, the streak breaker hat had lost its magic. All of a sudden, you know, because it, it worked. The good luck charms work. You want them, you keep them, you use them only if you get the desired results. So the next year, in 2018, when we played Alabama for the SEC championship, I wore a different hat that game because I knew that must have been the secret and things were going great again until Jalen Hurts came in and saved the day. So Georgia plays Alabama next year, and we all hope we're going to have a football season, and I just have two situations that I'm worried about with the game. What hat am I going to wear, and who's Alabama's backup quarterback? But I mean, Because that's the problem, right? So listen, I know we're hungry for sports, so I just want to give you some permission right now in the comments, in your, uh, right where you're at, I just want you to give a cheer for your team. It's Roll Tide, War Eagle, Go Tigers, G-E-A-U-X, Tigers, Go Dogs, Go Vols, uh, Woo Pig Suey, whatever. And if you've got a lucky shirt, lucky hat, lucky socks, lucky seat, lucky stadium cushion, whatever it is, would you just tell us about it? Because we understand that, that sometimes we treat God, too, like a good luck charm. So I, I want to ask, do you have an only if faith or an even if faith? For some of you, for some of you this, this is why you have kept Christianity and God at arm's length. You, you've been practicing relational distancing from God. Because you were taught a version of faith, you were taught a version of Christianity that said, if you will just have faith in God, that you will be blessed and highly favored. In other words, you were taught that God was a little bit more like a good luck charm, that if you follow God, then you will have blessed finances, blessed business, blessed family, best, blessed health. It just in a word, you'll prosper. And then... When that didn't happen, your faith that had been constructed around this idea that God was worth it only if he comes through comes crashing down. And you know that's not reality because sometimes life just happens. And so you took your faith in God and you put it on a shelf just like I put my streak breaker hat on the shelf and it doesn't work in streaks anymore. And evidently God doesn't work in my health anymore. God doesn't work in my finances anymore. God doesn't work in my family anymore because I was just following him only if he came through. And what happens if he doesn't come through when he doesn't answer the prayers like I think he should? The problem is that you were taught a version of faith that is not in this book. This is not pretty polished stories. In fact, the stories in this book look a lot more like what we're going through right now. This book is full of pandemics and persecution. 
This book is full of struggling and suffering. This book is full of bad things happening to good people. This book is full of heartache. This book is full of broken economies and broken families. And it's full of people waiting. And waiting some more when God doesn't show up on their timetable. And the story of waiting, while we're all waiting for this pandemic to end and this situation to end, it comes back, it comes back to my, in my mind to just thinking about the story of exile. It's the story of when the Hebrew people, the Israelites, are exiled to Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar, who was an evil, wicked, mean king, and his army of Babylonians came and destroyed Jerusalem and the entire temple, and they took a huge portion of the population of the Hebrews to actually deport them and made them live in exile in Babylon, in captivity, for 70 years. 70 Parents and grandparents died, never having gotten back to freedom. Just think about this. An entire generation at the end of the 70 years were in their late 60s, and they had been born in captivity, and all they had ever known was suffering and waiting and struggle. Well, the book of Daniel tells a story about four young Jews who kind of rose to prominence in Babylon. Now, Don't take this too far. They were still in captivity. But they were so impressive in their leadership and their abilities and their expertise that Nebuchadnezzar kind of took a liking to them. So though they were in captivity, they weren't free to go back to Israel. He took them as kind of part of the king's court. And Daniel chapter 3 tells the story of three of those four. Daniel's one of them, but today we're going to look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So as they are part of the king's court, at some time in the story, at some part of the story, Nebuchadnezzar wakes up one day and decides he's going to make a golden image. Now, Daniel 3 doesn't tell us what kind of image it is. We doesn't tell him if it's a statue of Nebuchadnezzar or he doesn't say if it's a statue of an animal or whatever it is. All it says is that it's 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. And so for our Birmingham peeps, if you're watching along, the Vulcan statue is 57 feet tall. Now, if you've ever ridden around Homewood and Birmingham area and you've seen at night the Vulcan lit up, you realize like it's way high in the sky. This statue was 90 feet tall. And Nebuchadnezzar wrote a decree and said that when the music in Babylon starts playing and you hear the music that everyone has to stop what they're doing right in their tracks and bow down and worship toward this image. And if you don't, you're going to be thrown into a blazing, fiery furnace. Well, this is a problem for the Jews. They had commands that had been passed down from Moses as a part of the Ten Commandments that said, thou shalt have no other gods before me, and you should not worship any man-made image. Now, we don't know what all the rest of the Jews did. Maybe they complied, but three didn't, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And some of the other people in Nebuchadnezzar's court come to the king, and they tell him, hey, listen, Three of these guys, these Jews that you have promoted in your court that are part of your leadership team, they're not doing it. They're not bowing down like you have been commanded. And Nebuchadnezzar is furious. 
And he brings Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before him. And he asks him, he tells him, he's like, listen, I've heard you're not bowing down. And I know what your God says, but it doesn't matter. You're in my place now, and you do things my way, and you bow down when we tell you to bow down. How and where and to what to bow down. And I'm going to give you one more chance. We're going to crank up the music, and I expect you three guys to get on your knees and bow down and worship this golden image. And then he says something that's kind of chilling. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Then what God? You know, then what will happen? And what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer ought to make the hair stand up on the back of every neck. Listen to what they say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Hey, church, you don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to defend yourself. We don't have to defend ourselves. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. The God we serve, he is able to. He is able to. We are certain that God is able we are certain that God can. In fact, we believe he will. We believe he will save us from the fire. We believe that he is able to save the world from COVID-19. We believe that he will restore our small business. We believe that we will get a sense of community back again where we can show signs of compassion and affection and love each other and hug each other and shake hands. We believe that he will provide a job for those that lost theirs in this pandemic. We believe he will. This is who we are. But then they say something that shakes me to my core. Because I wonder if what they say is in me. But even if he does not. Whoa. They, you see, they didn't have an only if faith. They had an even if faith. You see the difference? They, they, they weren't just faithful only if God comes through, even if God doesn't come through in the way that we thought he would, think he should, know he's capable of doing. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, they're so kind, <laughs> that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Our lives are not worth our character. Our safety, our health is not worth our integrity, Nebuchadnezzar. Even if, do you have that kind of faith? See, that's different. Even if I don't get the job. Even if I get sick, even if I don't pass the class, even if I don't get accepted into the, the college I wanted to get accepted to, even if 
this girl doesn't like me or that guy doesn't like me, even if things don't work out, even if reconciliation isn't brought between me and this adult child that I've prayed for for years, even if uh, things don't work out in my company, even if, even if, even if, even if I get burned. See, this is faith. This is faith. Faith is being certain of who you will follow while being uncertain of what will follow. Faith isn't trusting God knowing what will come next. That's not faith, that's fact. Faith is being certain of who you will follow while being uncertain of what will follow. That is the essence of faith. That's what it means to actually have faith in God that I can trust even though the path ahead of me, I can't see it's uncertain. No matter how uncertain the future is, I am certain of who I will follow even though I am uncertain of what will follow. That is even if kind of faith. And that is the kind of faith that the world needs to see from the church so badly right now. And even if faith that is certain of who it will follow, even though we are uncertain of what will follow. Sometimes faith in God leads us right through the fire. Right in the middle of it. God does not save them. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar is so angry at this moment. He doesn't even keep his promise, no surprise. He told them he was going to give them one more chance. Remember the music was going to play and you better bow down? He doesn't even give them that other chance. Immediately when they say this even if phrase, when they display this even if kind of faith that we hope God would honor right then, but for whatever reason he doesn't, when they spout this phrase, Nebuchadnezzar is so angry that he has the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. And he has soldiers bind them up and prepare to throw them in the fire. As they take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the fire to throw them in, listen, it's so hot that Daniel writes that even the soldiers that throw them in die from the fire. And bound and helpless, all of a sudden, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not living out here anymore. They're right in the middle of the fire. My little flame has grown a little bit. It gets hot pretty quickly. What is it about us that thinks that faith will bring only good things or that obedience will bring success? There's something about our reward culture that just says, like, you know, if you do the right things, you'll get good things, that everything will happen good for your family and for your business and for your health. Even pastors, and some pastor friends are watching this right now, and we, we fall in the same thing, like if you just are faithful that your church will grow. And it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes faith takes you through the fire. Maybe it has to. So there's a great part of the story. So after a minute or so, it doesn't say exactly how long, Nebuchadnezzar looks in the fire. And this is a strange conversation. He's like, hey, guys, didn't we, how many did we throw in the fire, right? It was just three. It was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Did we throw Daniel into no, sir, I'm right back here. I'm, I'm good. Oh, Daniel, okay, we didn't throw you. Don't worry, I got something for you later, buddy. But hey, listen, it was just three, right? Yes, sir, your majesty. It was just a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But then Nebuchadnezzar says, look, look, everybody look. 
I see four men walking around. Not one, two, not one, four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. God did not deliver them from the fire. God delivered them in the fire. And brothers and sisters, the same is true for us. God might deliver you in the fire instead of from the fire. God might deliver you, but it might happen in the fire instead of from the fire. But you have to be in the fire to see that he is in the fire with us. And I know that right now we're going through different kinds of fires. Some of us are in the heat of financial crisis, and this has been very real for you. You, you. you have a small business that's struggling in this season because you can't open, or you've lost customers, or you've lost your job, or you've had income that has, has gone away, or maybe you've even had to furlough workers if you owe, own a business, or let people go. Like, this has been real for you. Some of you have had an elective surgery that you really needed, and you're in pain, but you had to put it off because they said you couldn't have it. Some of you know someone who has been sick of the coronavirus. Some of you might even know someone who has died from it. Some of you are frustrated trying to homeschool your kids and do digital learning because you didn't sign up for that. Some of you are tired of Zoom meetings. Some of you want to be in church instead of watching church. Some of you are going stir crazy in quarantine. Some of you are frustrated for this whole thing. And almost all of us are just discouraged when we watch the news. We are in the fire, friends. But I am here to tell you, to proclaim to you, to shout to, from the rooftops of this empty auditorium that whatever fire you're walking through, God is in the fire. You can shout it in your living room, type it on the chat, and let us know. Say it to the whole world and proclaim it today. God is in the fire. And maybe, maybe it's just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe, maybe God wants others to see him and the fire with you. Maybe that's the point. Maybe God will get more glory if you go in the fire first. All right, so I want you to do something. If you had that candle, just blow it out. See that smoke? You smell that? Listen to this part. Nebuchadnezzar asked Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's like, hey, guys, come out, come out, come out, come out. Of course, only three of them come out. The fourth one doesn't. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. You, you, you smell that, that smoke when you blew out that candle, just a little bitty flame? We roasted marshmallows this week. We, we made s'mores. I had to wash all my clothes. They all smelled like a campfire. You know that feeling? You can't get away from it. You can't get it out. But they didn't even smell like smoke. They'd been in a blazing furnace. The most interesting thing about this passage is this word harmed. That's the way the NIV translated it, but I'm not sure it's quite the best way to describe it. It's a, in the Hebrew, it's a word we would pronounce shalate. 
And it actually means to have power over. The old King James Version does it like this. It says, upon whose bodies the fire had no power. And that's a better translation because that word shalate means to have power over. And what, what he is saying, what Daniel is writing is that they didn't smell like smoke, they didn't have a single hair singed, and the fire had no power over them. But he does not say that it didn't hurt. He does not say that it wasn't painful. And the fire that you are walking through right now, it might hurt. It might be painful. But listen to me, friends. Sitting on your couch, sitting in your easy chair, maybe even laying in your bed, let me just tell you, the fire you're walking through right now it has no power over you. Your circumstances do not have power over you. And it's even better, your sin does not have power over you. Your 20s don't have power over you. Your past don't have power over you. Your mistakes don't have power over you. Your bank account doesn't have power over you. And some stupid virus sure as heck doesn't have power over you. This season might hurt. But it does not have to have power over you or in you. Because, see, our hope is better than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's. It's better. God doesn't just walk through the fire with us. When we walk through the fire, he is in you. And he is in me. He is in you in the fire. The world cannot change what God has put in you. See, this is what we believe. If you're new to faith and you've been tuning in and you've been curious, let me just, we have an even if faith because we're not promised anything other than the great promises that God has given us. And it is so much better than a God that we would serve only if. We simply believe this. We simply believe this. If you want to know the heart of what we believe, we don't believe that if we have faith in Jesus that we get good things. We believe that faith in Jesus is the good thing. And we simply believe that our faith that Jesus died for our sins and resurrected three days later to give victory over sin and death, make something come alive in us that this world cannot stop and cannot change and cannot take away no matter how badly it tries to burn us. It means, you say, well, what is that? It means that we get forgiveness. We get redemption. We get restoration. We get righteousness before God. We get mercy. We get love. We get grace. We get the peace of God that surpasses all understanding in us. We get the Holy Spirit living in us. That is the gift and the presence of God. And no matter what this world sends us through, what fire it puts us in, that's enough, even if this world falls apart. Especially if, when this world falls apart. Our hope isn't that God will finally deliver us from our homes. Who's ready to leave their home? <laughs> you don't need God to do that. In a few weeks, this will start easing up. 
There'll come a time we'll look back on this as like a blip on our radar. We're like, remember that two or three months? That was crazy. I don't know how long you're going to be stuck there. I just know that that place you call home isn't really your home. Because it wasn't what you were made for. You were made for another home. And our hope for the present is that before we walk with God on the streets of gold in heaven, that he walks with us through the fiery furnace in this life. You see, God might deliver you in the fire instead of from the fire. And I can't promise you that you'll come out smelling like roses. But I can assure you, you won't smell like smoke. Because our God is in the fire. Heavenly Father, we're all going through some fires right now. Lord, we are we're going through some circumstances and every one of them is different. And we are trying to find hope in the midst of this craziness, this mess. And Lord, we can believe the lie that, 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 that we're supposed to have an only of faith. That we can trust you only if you come through in the way that we think you should come through. But help us to see in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that sometimes you are doing something that we can't understand. And sometimes we walk through fires that hurt but have no power over us. And they have no power in us. And so, Lord, my prayer is that these fires that we're going through right now Whatever they are, whatever they are, whatever every person listening and watching this is going through right now, that they would know that they know that they know that you are not just in the fire with them, but you are in them in the fire. And that who you say they are and who you have created them to be, that this fire, this season, these circumstances, can never change. Thank you, God, for those promises. Thank you, God, for helping us find hope in you. Amen. Listen, if you, if you maybe, like I said, you had bought a version of faith that said that this was all just a clean, perfect story and that if you follow God and you'd kind of put God on the shelf or maybe you had kind of taken God as a good luck charm that you literally just tossed to the side. Or maybe you even are just new to faith and somebody's been inviting you and you've been watching today or the last few weeks and you want to talk, we want to talk with you. We want to have a, have a chat with you. So we want to encourage you to just type the word chat to the number that you're seeing right there on your screen. And the band's going to close us with a song today. And if you're watching on your tablet or your computer or on your smart TV, I just want to ask you to take out your phone right now and...
text that chat. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to really have faith in Jesus. And this week, one of our pastors is going to get in contact with you. And maybe you've already made that decision, but you, this has been stirring some things up in you, and you need to talk to somebody. We want to talk with you. If you're watching on your phone, grab a piece of paper and jot down that number so you can do that this week.